This is Open Mic Life. Let's go! Welcome to this week's episode. We have a very special guest coming. back everybody thank you so much for being here this week again this episode is coming to you during the weekend because we had a last minute interview cancellation that will hopefully come to you later in the season in the meantime today you're listening to an episode that was actually planned for the beginning of 2024 however luckily the guest is a dear friend of mine and he agreed to make time in his busy schedule and record earlier to be honest, it has been quite stressful, this last-minute alteration of our schedule, but luckily it was a great learning experience and taught me how to deal with a situation like this in the podcasting world as well. And to be honest, the episode turned out great, and it's on a topic that I knew nothing about in beforehand. We're talking about cars about cars, about the car industry, about selling supercars, what is coming to the automotive industry in terms of technology, what we can expect. We're debunking submits, of course. But more specifically, the topic is about how a dream is created and what are the steps that have been taken to achieve this dream. Nevertheless, as I said, we're talking about cars. And this is a topic very foreign to me. I've only recently started driving. And I think it would be best to firstly catch up with somebody who knows an awful lot about cars. So, without further ado... Hike! On the mic. Hi, Hike. Hello. How is it going? It's uh, going. I mean, it's uh, it's winter time, I guess. Is it? It's yeah. winter time. It's deep gray winter time. It's hibernation period. It's hibernation. <laughs> Before and, we're uh, we're dreaming of a white Christmas. We're in the deep gray. Yeah, well, the white Christmas in Netherlands is quite rare. Uh, yeah. I don't know about Luxembourg. Sometimes. Uh, oh, there is some snow. Yeah, but not that much. <laughs> I feel like also the snow, like every year, it just shifts. It just comes a bit later. So mm. Christmas being in December, kind of. I was talking to my brother that... that probably we're going to start in the future doing Christmas in a warm place and skiing for Easter. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it would still hold the same, you know, cozy, warm, you know, or heated? vibe as as uh having it in in a, in a in a winter cold area i don't know as long as we can get some snow at some point i'm happy <laughs> well if you, as long as you can confuse the sand for snow yeah. on the beach exactly might as well do the trick true true how so was your week you? now i was first this time oh, so you you, you, <laughs> so you 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 tell me how was yours yeah what's new What's uh, old, what's in the past, and uh, um, what are we going to do today, discuss today? Yes, yes, yes. So uh, last week was great. I actually came back to Luxembourg after uh, a weekend in Vienna with my family. 
Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was very nice. The last week has been work, 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 because really this time of the year is when everybody is trying to get everything done. Uh, you know, we had like a small hiccup with the podcast because the interview we were supposed to have, uh, this week didn't happ
Well, the thing is, so if 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 there are specific things that do interest you, like on the car industry, you know, you can also already like just do your due diligence with me. I'm wondering, as somebody who has driven a lot of cars, yeah, fly around. Do you prefer driving stick or automatic? Oh, that's a good question. If I'm driving to to enjoy the ride, mm -hmm. I would prefer stick because. Uh, you really get to feel how the car is kind of built up and how it is supposed to kind of, you know, in which gear do you really accelerate the most? Um, and obviously all of that can be can be uh, changed and can be uh, altered. But I feel like driving stick makes you much more one with the car, whereas automatic is like hit the gas and the brake. But for example, if you're in a traffic jam, I would much rather have an automatic, right? Because you're, it's like I get really pissed and angry when I'm driving in traffic. I like and angry at the world, right? Angry yeah. at <laughs> fuck, why did I end up here? You know, like yeah. why am I wasting my time looking at the ass of this car for for <laughs> hours? And 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 yeah, I become very insensible. And so <laughs> I would dare to say when I'm in a traffic jam. So, and yeah. what about electric cars? Have you driven a lot of electric cars? Uh, yeah, quite some. So I've driven almost, well, I've driven the two different Teslas, the, the, the Model 3 and the Model S. I've driven, actually, no, I've driven a lot of electric cars. Come to think. I've driven a okay. Mini Cooper, different Volkswagens, Audis. Yeah, I've driven a lot of electric cars. What is your favorite car that you've driven? Electric or, or petroleum? Any, any, any car in your life your favorite car that you've driven uh in terms of its aesthetics or see in, these are questions your, now I'm you're starting to ask right? questions about the people who know so, about cars. yes uh, my favorite well a, a pretty cool car that i've driven and also just for its aesthetics and its uh, its mechanics and and everything that that comes with it would be a, a 911 uh, a porsche targa which is, you know, it's not an electric electric one necessarily, but it has perfect agility. It's 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 like a super car. It's uh, and the Targa thing is 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 basically ruthless. That that that's uh, it. Just adds a lot to the experience, yeah. right? When you okay, um, that one or maybe a BMW M6 was also in a convertible as well. I think I have a thing with convertibles. So <laughs> I um, think so. So the last time you saw Emil was mm -hmm. two years ago at the seaside, right? Yeah. When we were together. Yeah. And True. he was telling us about how he's dreaming to get into the car industry. Mm -hmm. So today, well, six months ago, he actually started there at this okay. company. Wonderful. He, I saw a video where he's reviewing a Lamborghini or something. Mm, I saw that one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He put it on on socials on Instagram. If I, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. No. So he's gonna uh, talk about that. I also want to talk to him about living in Dubai because for a lot of people, Dubai mm. is like synonymous to luxury and opulence mm. and all of that. Which yeah, I you know I cannot imagine that it's only that. And I think wait, wait. you said opulence. Well, mm -hmm. can, can, I, I, it's out of my dictionary. Like I've heard the word before, but I'll be honest, I, I'm, I'm not sure what that is. Do you want my interpretation or? Yes. Give me your just from the top of your opulent. head. It opulent. doesn't have to be 
perfectly correct. Okay, yeah. opulence to me is excess. It's a lot. Oh, it's okay. Having everything yeah. more than you need, all of that. Yeah, and I'm me, picturing it's... Dubai right now. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's what uh, it means to me. And I'm wondering because today we're interviewing somebody who is as, uh, as you know, as long in the job market as we are. So about what, mm -hmm. uh, since we graduated, let's say, uh, like half a decade, maybe something like that. So not necessarily too long. And I wonder how it is like starting out there, you know? So this mm -hmm. is something that I really want to talk to him about too shine a different light yeah. on a life in Dubai. And I see what he's doing. I mean, they're living a very nice life there, <laughs> but it's, well, it's different. You know, it's, it's, it's like, it doesn't necessarily have to be always like money, money, money. I mean, that's the tigers surface, in right? a car. So, yeah. So yeah. Like I would also be very curious what's behind the surface, obviously what's behind the screens. But I, I think I'm, I'm a bit more and more curious about, you know, questions that are more related to, let's say, the car industry, right? Because yeah. this is the conversations I would have with uh, with Emil myself. And is there a specific question you want me to ask him? Yeah, well, well, holding that thought, you know, of 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 uh, opulence and more specifically the opulence that that is resulted from Dubai's main industry. Uh, which is the oil and petroleum and and fossil fuels, so to say. Um, and being a car guy, and you asked me actually about electric cars. Um, you, you you know, being a car guy, I'm just curious what the perspective is of the people there on electric cars, because I can imagine from a national perspective, Dubai national perspective, they wouldn't really. Um, you know, they wouldn't subsidize electric cars. They wouldn't really promote them because it mm. typically uh, represents the shift of the need for oil or the need for those fo fossil fuels, which kind of brought the country to life. And I'm just wondering how that kind of manifests in, in their actual, because I know that Dubai people are also like super, you know, passionate and in love with really big, exotic uh, cars that yeah often are toxic for the environment yeah, <laughs> right yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and electric cars they have this reputation of you know having this this environmental goal and and and, and it's cheaper it's more efficient and it really yeah it doesn't like cheap and efficient doesn't equal Dubai to me so yes. it's a very good question it's a very good question um, yeah. so I'm I'm really curious about his perspective and and what he has kind of observed and 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 experienced in in dubai towards electric cars i'm very excited about today's episode because i'm not only interviewing a dear friend today but i'm also going to learn about an industry that I have no idea about. So, Emil, welcome to Open Mic Life. Hey, everyone. <laughs> excited to be here. No, uh, what's going on? I'm super excited to be here. Uh, I think uh, I I've enjoyed listening to the, the first couple of podcasts of this uh, and very happy to be a guest on and uh, obviously always get to chat with Stiana. Oh, I'm so happy. So when I met you about 10 years ago 
all you were talking about was cars and living in Dubai. And today you are living in Dubai and you're working with cars. So maybe do you want to tell us exactly what you do? Because I really don't know and how you got there. So firstly, what do you do? What's your job? Cool. Uh, yeah, 10 years. Oh, that feels much longer than uh, than yeah. I thought. But um, <laughs> no, what's called? So, so a lot I'm of it is now, history that we're not going to get into. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a very, very long episode otherwise. But uh, what I do now is I work in the automotive industry. Um, for those of you listening in from, from sort of Europe, it's very similar to, to an auto trader or like a mobile.de and stuff like that is originally where the company I'm with now has started. Uh, what we're aspiring to be, because we're we're only like four to five years old now, what we're aspiring to be is basically a place where all automotive enthusiasts in the UAE and then eventually beyond into, into the Middle East in general will come. So ideally what we're doing is we have all this information on new cars where we've created this whole department where we review cars and, you know, trying to do... For those of you who watch Top Gear, that's kind of like always been my like dream job to, to sort of drive cars and review them and stuff like that. Um, so we're trying to do a little bit of that um, and get into it and basically be a place where people can learn about cars and then compare them and then find cars for sale on the platform as well. And, uh, I've been brought in, um, this is now month six. Um, so I've been brought in as part of a, a whole almost new department that deals with that side of the business. So for the last four years, it's pretty much just been a place where people buy and sell cars. And then now it's like, okay, we're bringing in people that are enthusiastic about cars that you know, can can handle projects, can do a lot of the skills I've learned from like previous roles. Um, and now basically what I do is coordinate with clients like let's say Audi or Lamborghini. I went to their event like two two weeks ago um, to basically review or talk about their cars and, and to talk about launch events and um, get them onboarded on the platform, get their cars listed and help people buy their cars. And what's the last car you reviewed? Uh, the last car I reviewed is a brand new Chinese car that most people haven't heard of yet. It's called an Exceed RX. It's like a luxury Chinese car. Um, it's costs, if I had to convert it, about like 45,000 euros. Um, okay. So it's it's not too expensive compared to like a Mercedes or BMW, but they're trying to be like super luxurious and techy and stuff like that. And uh, yeah. Let's go a little bit back in time. What did you study mm -hmm. and what were the steps that you had to take to get to your current job? Oh, okay. Um, so I studied uh, international business administration. So I did that as my bachelor's. Um, I, I was quite lost at that time, like every other 18-year-old, I suppose. And you don't really know what you want to do. I want to be an architect at some point. And then I, all my subjects in high school were very engineering focused. I want to be an industrial designer and design cars in the future. Um, and then at some point I realized, no, nope, I'm going to study business. And I kind of fell in love with marketing. Um, so I kind of did a 180 and ended up studying business administration with a focus on marketing in my final year. Uh, and then I went on to study a master's in marketing management as well. We briefly worked together, didn't we? We did. Uh, so during my master's, I was actually working at the same time, uh, which most people are all like, what? You have to balance so much. And then, uh, but at the same time, it, it was fun. It, it was really cool because I got to work on, so I got to work on campus. I got to work uh, in the marketing and recruitment department uh, for the university, um, thanks to Stiana as well, um, and working with her. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was a really time. good time. Yeah, I got to learn a lot about, I think it was a very nice um, way to join the corporate world because it wasn't too intense. I already kind of knew the people that I worked with because they were 
sort of our mentors and people that sort of brought us to the uni. Um, so it was a very ease into like sort of corporate life and, and hey, this is what a nine to five looks like. Yeah, that's really cool. And you touched upon a few keywords that we use here. So mentors. One of the goals of the podcast is to give people the mentors that they're looking for. And obviously, you're not starting out in your career, but you have not been working for tens of years, for example. And what I'm wondering about is what kind of a role have mentors played for you so far? Have you been looking Um, for them? Have you had access to them? Is this something that really pushed you forward? So my, what's called my view on it, like I, um, I haven't necessarily looked at someone and said like, oh, I want to kind of emulate that and then sort of reached out and said, you know, like how, what have you done to, to get here and there? Uh, unfortunately, there were a few people that I like, let's say reached out onto on LinkedIn that had cool jobs in Porsche and Audi when I first moved to Dubai. And I was like, how did you get there? And they just didn't respond. So, you know, and it, then, it is what it is, but this yeah. is an experience a lot of people have. Yeah. Right. So a, a lot of what it came down to is I, I was very lucky that quite a few of my bosses viewed me in sort of like a mentor mentee role uh, to an extent like they, they wanted to, to help me grow and they wanted to, to do all of that. Um, I have seen this firsthand and to our listeners, <laughs> it is pure magic between Emil and his bosses. Yes, all, all my bosses do sort of look at me as, and, and I guess it made more sense when I was a bit younger, but uh, they did look <laughs> at me as sort of like their child, uh, which was great because I, I think it's nice that, that they want to uh, like want me to exceed and excel and, and stuff like that. And I think a lot of that comes down to maybe my nature as well being quite informal and quite chill. So not really your, your normal sort of, hey boss, nine to five employee. And I think that's what led them to kind of open up a bit more the other way around. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if somebody's interested and wants to learn more about it, perhaps even work there, what would you say in your experience so far? And it is quite fresh that you got into this industry. Where is the starting point? How do you start to learn and really understand this industry? So it's interesting because actually most of the people that I know, because I, I, so I get to work with a lot of clients that are sort of marketing managers or marketing executives at these different car brands, which is, realistically where I'd see my end goal being like becoming a marketing manager within one of these brands. Um, so I've, I've, I've met quite a few in sort of junior and senior roles and a lot of them actually started off in automotive. So as an example, the, there's the, a guy I'm quite close with. He's one of my clients. Um, he was telling me that he was getting paid almost nothing as an intern at, at Porsche. Um, and there was about 10 interns in the end, two of them got a job and it truly came down to him actually liking cars um, as opposed to being like, oh, yeah, it's cool because I'm working at Porsche. It was also a quite an underpaid job. Uh, and then he kind of worked his way up, switched a couple here and there. And then now he's he's doing great. Um, I think there's a lot of different ways that you can enter. I think that's one way, like kind of taking that, oh, I'm going to do an internship and stay within cars and stuff like that. The other people, it's all, it's always sort of been, and again, I'm talking purely from a marketing person, like not like a finance person working in cars and stuff like that. But marketing within cars, a lot of people started off at marketing agencies. So at work, one of their clients would be a car brand and they would get a lot of interaction with them. They'd learn a lot, uh, they'd learn a lot because they'd be working with two, three different car brands as an example. So they'd know a lot more about the industry than let's say an intern uh, within a single brand. Um, and that's the way they, they've sort of made their way into it as well. It's, a, it's an interesting industry to get into um, because there's so many different ways and avenues. Obviously I'm coming in it from like a 
car marketplace, um, not necessarily a car brand. Um, so yeah, ton, tons of different ways. Very nice. And how did how did all of this with cars start for you? I don't know if you remember, <laughs> like when you were little or something, how did this passion I, uh, develop? Because for as long as I've known you, you've had this passion truly. I think it comes from two from two points. There was one, I have a friend and uh, I call him, I haven't seen him in years. Um, but when I was, I suppose, 10 years old, there was a guy called Omar. Um, and he was uh, what's called Argentinian guy that, that lived sort of near near me. He's always loved cars. Um, I didn't really see what all the fuss was about initially. Um, and on one of my birthdays, he gave me like a little car model of a Ferrari F50, uh, for those of you that know. And uh, it was one of those ones where you have to kind of build it. So I spent like, and I loved puzzles and Lego and stuff like that. So that's why he was like, okay, I'll combine both for his birthday gift. And I built together this car and I was like, no, it kind of looks cool. Um, and then I think the, so that was sort of one part. Then there's actually, there's three stages. That was part one. Part two was 2008. I watched Iron Man uh, and I saw the Audi R8 for the first time, which is my overall dream car. That generation, year one Audi R8. Uh, I saw it for the first time. I was like, that was really cool. I want one of those. Um, and then finally, I think the other part of it is, uh, for those of you that don't know, I grew up in Saudi Arabia and being an expat in Saudi Arabia is very different to being a sort of regular person in Saudi Arabia because you're kind of like really confined to where you live and where you go to school and like you don't get to interact with the outside world as much. You just have like your little expat bubble, which is great. And, and, and I would never change that for the world. But when I became 18 or, or when my friends started to get become 18 and we could drive, it was a different level of like freedom. It, it was like, so I like if you driving very much as that, like, and it's not like I drove super cool cars back then. It was just your regular car, but it was like a level of freedom that we didn't have in Saudi Arabia as much. Whereas like obviously in Europe and the people I talked to, you'd, you know, walk and take the tram to the mall or go to the city center, whatever it might be. We never had that. So it was kind of like on the weekend with our parents, we'd kind of like tag along, but you'd really be school, you know, school or, or where you're living. And then cars just kind of added this weird new avenue and we didn't really do much. We'd like go to a KFC drive through but it's like, we're free. Um, yeah. So that part of it's, yeah, I think that was my third interaction where I was like, you know what? I love cars now. Do you still get that feeling? Yeah, 100%. Uh, I mean, uh, my girlfriend can tell you more, you know her obviously. Um, and she, what's called, I have random moments where she's like, oh, I'm going to go visit friends or, you know, what are you going to do for these next two, three hours? And I just drive. I literally get in the car, no destination necessarily. And I just, you know, drive around. I enjoy driving. And the, unfortunately, my, my actual car has been in the garage more than I'd like. So even when I have sort of like a, a tiny rental car in the meantime, I still love driving that. There's just something about it that, that hasn't changed. Oh, that's amazing. Before we get a little bit more into cars, specific questions okay. about the industry, I want to talk a little bit about where you live. So mm -hmm. I already said you live in Dubai. And to many people, Dubai is synonymous with luxury and a high standard of life, in general, the future. Can you talk a little bit about that? Has your experience always been that? Or is there another side to it that you would like people to understand better? And just how have you experienced living in Dubai so far? Cool. So for context, uh, what's called, I've known that I wanted to live in Dubai since I was about 14. I think uh, for me, it's, it's a great place to, to be. Uh, I, I'm not going to get into the whole where I'm from because then it gets into a whole story. But essentially, as an expat kid living in Saudi Arabia, the sort of main language there was Arabic. Being from the Netherlands and being in the Netherlands, the main language was Dutch. 
uh, everywhere I go, like English wasn't necessarily the main language and I only speak one language, which is English. So I, I've always liked that about Dubai. Even when I was a kid, I felt very, all the signs were in English, all the, the key language here is that. So I think it kind of makes me always like be like, oh, this feels like home. And secondly, obviously lots of cool cars, um, you know, the, the, the lifestyle in Dubai is very cool. Um, and I've always, like, even as a kid, I always thought that was quite cool. So I have very high expectations of, of what life would be like in Dubai uh, when I eventually uh, did come. Um, so obviously throughout uni, I was like, you know, Dubai is going to be like this and like that. And I'm, I always say this to people where like, it's one, it's really random because it's exceeded those expectations in many ways, uh, which was already a very high bar to, to beat. Um, obviously like every city will have its good and it's bad. Uh, but I think here I've, there's so many aspects of, of that things that I didn't know. Um, so I obviously knew like the flash and the, you know, the cars and this and that, and there's a lot of parts about Dubai that you can see, but there's other things like how incredibly safe it is here, uh, which is something I didn't know. And uh, it's something that always shocks people. I think when they come to visit, um, because there's certain things that, that I would do that you won't normally do, like leave your bag in like a restaurant while you like walk off and, and yeah. So I think like little things like that, that I didn't really know about Dubai either. And then on top of what I do like about it already, I, I, I've liked it. Yeah. When I was visiting you, I had the same impression about safety when we would be walking in the mall and somebody would just leave their iPhone randomly charging. And I'm like, what? How is this happening? Because it is also the Middle East. And there is, I think, a lot of biases that people have. Would you say that culturally it's still conservative? Yeah, I, I mean, I'd I'd say so. It's uh, obviously you're asking someone that grew up in Saudi Arabia, not the super modern Saudi Arabia that we see now, but uh, OG Saudi Arabia. So for me, Dubai's always been quite open in that sense. Um, I think Dubai's a, a what's called a place where here it's a little bit more lenient as long as you're respectful about it. So uh, what's called let's say being drunk in public as an example. I've I've had my fair share of uh, you know slightly uh, slightly more tipsy than than I should be in in public and that's fine but obviously if you're like blackout drunk in the middle of the streets like it's just not and like they want to keep a certain image of like you know we'll let you do what you want but you know don't don't overdo it or or don't you know be, be respectful yeah be respectful about it you know I think I think that's the way and and like other random laws here like as example if your car is super dirty like you haven't cleaned it in like a year and it's like it looks like it's about to die you'll get fined for that because there's oh, a certain wow. perception that they want to uphold which is you know keep everything clean and that's why the streets are super clean and stuff like that and littering has a high fine I think the, there's big fines for everything um and uh, people don't want to pay money so I think they figured out the hack there Yeah. No, but it makes sense because it is a beautiful place and it it took a lot to build it. So, and what about the community that you live in? Is it mostly international people? Is it mostly Middle Eastern people? How, what kind of people do you personally hang out with? So what's called, so the UAE or, or Dubai specifically is like 90% expat anyway. You, you very rarely uh, see locals. They, they sort of hang out in specific areas and, uh, Um, there, there's not that much integration in sort of like the places that maybe tourists would go to. And that's why I've heard a lot of tourists say, Hey, where are all the, the locals? There's mostly like, uh, internationals here. Um, and, and that's true. It's, it does feel very international. If, if I was to look at my friend group right now, there's people from the UK, people from Canada, people from India, people from, um, Belgium, um, you know, Bulgaria, of course, and, and myself from the Netherlands. So there it's, it's quite an interesting mix. And even if I was to look at like 
an office environment like where um where i work it's also quite a mix of you know irish uk um egypt philippines there there's there's quite a mix um which is yeah it, it, it's it's pretty cool that that there's a lot of people from from different places because you get to pick up on like random cultural nuances that yeah. you don't really get to to see in real life I agree. And I suppose this also affects the working culture. I'm wondering, uh, with emerging technologies, such as, for example, AI, what opportunities mm -hmm. do you see coming up in the industry? What I see, and, and uh, this is something that we've, we've also discussed, uh, being like an automotive platform uh, and not like, a let's say, a brand, um, this is where people come to like buy and sell cars. And what I've seen, especially in Dubai, you kind of need a car. It's, it's one of those cities that is really sprawling and it's built for cars. And so a lot of people that necessarily, let's say, never owned a car before, they don't necessarily care about cars they've found it a bit challenging to be like, okay, what car should I buy? So a lot of them will come to, to me because I'm their designated car friend and, <laughs> and they're all like, Emil, what car should I buy? And things like that. So I had a discussion with my CEO about this, like just over lunch sometime, like we we're just randomly talking. And it was like, oh, using something like AI technology where people will be basically be able to say their preferences. Like I commute to work, you know, I have a 30 minute commute to work. Um, on the weekends, I go to the beach and blah, blah. And you can put in certain variables, um, you know, I'm female of this age and it'll be able to automatically recommend the best cars for you. And using things like machine learning, where we would be able to take, because we obviously have a lot of data, you know, people that have bought cars, um, being able to take machine learning and say, okay, someone with this sort of profile, let's show them car X, Y, Z, because that seems to be the most popular amongst a demographic of people that love to go to the beach and are in this age category. Um, so that's one way that we can, we can sort of help consumers uh, and help and help car buyers. Cause I feel like I've genuinely been asked that question just one too many times of what car should I buy? And I love it. I love getting into that discussion, but then what ends up happening is I talk about cars for an hour and this person <laughs> just wanted to know if they should buy a Toyota or not. And don't you think that in this way, some brands are going to be able to put their products forward more than others yeah no i mean like we live in a in a in a sort of consumer focused uh world where you know greed money and all of that so obviously everything's the business right so if if uh i'm sure if a, if a car company came to us and they said hey we want to target all the consumers of this particular category we would charge them a fee and and put those yeah. cars in front of them no, as well makes sense of course yeah do you think that in terms of the cars themselves the technology in the near future, it's really going to change the way that we behave with cars, that we interact with cars. Yes and no. I get to see all the new cars coming to the market, generally top line. There's a lot of Chinese cars coming into the market, like cars built in China that have the craziest technology. Like, And for 10, 15,000 euros, you're getting a car with 360 degree cameras and you're getting a car that um, can almost like drive itself. It has a radar and everything and all this cool tech that you'd normally get in a Mercedes, let's say 10 years ago, but they've sort of caught up and done it quickly. Um, so that's one element of it is like, oh, okay. Like there's certain tech things in cars. And as an example, in the US now, you're not allowed to sell a new car without a reverse camera. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been a law for a few years. So there's certain technologies that's like here to stay. Cars haven't really changed much <laughs> in the last 10 years. There used to be a, There used to be a period like when I first came to uni, let's say, where every new car launch was really big. Now, as an example, a new BMW M5 or whatever, like a really cool sports car will come out. And it's not significantly faster than it used to be. And now cars are 
so cars have got like sports cars specifically have got so fast that the number doesn't really matter anymore. Uh, so the same way that smartphones have all got the same, right? Like before we used to have flip phones and slidey phones and all that. Now every phone looks the same. And I, you would never look at someone's phone and say it's slow because all phones are fast enough. Um, so it's kind of come to that point, I feel like in the car market where they're going to need to make like some big change the same way that phones are now trying to like fold and do all these different things as well. So I think that's sort of where it's headed. I think like there's some certain segments of cars that you can't really expand much on. Now it's just kind of like adding more features in. Yeah. And is there something that you expect in that area coming? Something because to, um, to me, literally, you know, that I got my driver's license six months ago. <laughs> and also to <laughs> me, the question, what kind of a car you have read is a completely okay answer. So uh -huh. from your perspective, what are some of these features that we don't necessarily think about that are going to become more relevant? So I think one of those things is going to be like, I wouldn't call it self-driving, but I call it driver aids, right? I don't think that despite how much Tesla and Elon Musk say that they're going to do self-driving cars, I think it'll work in some places, but I don't imagine in sort of the streets of Dubai or especially not in the streets of Saudi that those cars would function properly. But I think things like driver aids. So like when I was driving that Exceed RX that I told you about when you asked me like what my latest review was, there was a point in time. And, and, and again, this is slightly illegal, but like... <laughs> I was driving, but because it has all these driver aids that keep me in lane, keep me a certain distance from the car in front of me, and essentially, and it also steers the wheel to keep me in between everything. I just started like going on my phone, and I'd probably driven for like 10 minutes before I realized that I hadn't looked at the road. Um, and then I was all like, oh no. And I told a colleague about this who had been testing the car the day before, and he was all like, yeah, it's the same experience I had, but there's a button that you can click. And then I clicked on this button. What would happen is if I don't look at the road, it scans my eyes. And if I don't look at the road for like, let's say a period of 10 seconds, it like buzzes the wheel and is basically like, look at the road. And do you think this is going to increase safety on the road or decrease it? I think it'll increase safety. Um, obviously the example that I gave you was, was that, but there's also a car that was a prototype car. The real one won't let you like not focus on the road for X, Y, Z amount of time. But I think there's going to help because it's going to avoid situations that you being fatigued. Like I, I know someone that was sort of driving back from Abu Dhabi to Dubai, which is pretty much like a straight road for like about an hour. Um, and they were super tired because it was like 2 a.m. And they crashed into a, a truck. And when I saw pictures of the car, I was all like, how are you alive? Because it looked like an awful accident. But had there been some sort of driver aids, it wouldn't have let him do that. Like if, if he got anywhere close to the back of that truck, it would have braked by itself. It would have made sure there's no car behind him. It would have buzzed the wheel. Like there's so many things that these cars will do that I think will just like avoid situations like that. I think self-driving, completely self-driving technology where, you know, you click, I'm going to go home and then it just takes you there. I think that's a long, long way to go. Much longer than we think. We focus on these shiny things. Like as an example, people are like, oh, everyone's going to be driving electric cars. Um, but these are, again, people in the Netherlands with strong infrastructure around self-charging and charge and like cars that are able to charge. I've, I've had conversations with some brands here um, that have a bunch of stock of electric cars that they just can't sell because people here live in apartment buildings and there's no charges on the bottom. And if you want to, you have to pay 12,000 euros for that. And the car's not worth that much. It just becomes like this whole hassle. And then, you know, infrastructures around the world are not ready for fully electric cars. Um, and also even in places like Europe, 
people are still preferring hybrid cars and stuff like that because you have kind of the option of, you know, oh, I'm just going to use fuel because it's easily accessible, but I'm not going to use as much of it because it's a hybrid. Yeah. The mindset is just not there yet for completely uh, electric cars and rightfully so, yeah. I believe. And this yeah. leads me actually to a question that we got from Hike. So he was wondering in your experience, specifically with electric vehicles, what is your view on it and the industry in the Middle East and working there from a country that is the economy is, is mostly based on oil? One of the things to mention is that obviously like a lot of the Middle East is very oil based. Dubai in general, which is one of the, the seven Emirates of the UAE, uh, our income is very tourist heavy. Um, we don't actually have that much oil. Um, not anymore. Um, obviously, our, our big brother in Abu Dhabi has a lot of oil and they, they do a lot of that. Um, but I don't think the country is very focused on oil in that sense. I think from all of the, let's say, from all of the Middle Eastern countries, um, even ones like Saudi Arabia that are growing so rapidly to become very modern, we have the best charging infrastructure for, for electric cars. Um, we have the most government grants for electric cars, things like free parking and whatnot. Even our taxis right now are starting to slowly all switch over to Tesla Model 3s. Electric cars are like in this market, like they, they have like an opportunity, but I'll tell you the big difference. Electric cars that I've seen in the Netherlands do not look like the electric cars I've seen here. In the Netherlands, you've got like Chevy Bolts and stuff like that, like cute little electric cars. Here it's Porsche Taycans, Audi GTs, um, Teslas and stuff like that. Because people don't buy them because they're electric because fuel is not that expensive. So it's not like, oh, I want to save money. People buy it because it's cool. The owners of electric cars, they're not like your, like, you know, your middle management trying to, what's it called, trying to save the planet. The, the people here that have electric cars is, this is my second car. They'll never be a person that just owns an electric car. It'll always be their second car. They always have their big gas guzzler. Um, it's just a cool thing to have. It's like a little toy such a different perspective from what we have right because here yeah. companies are extremely encouraged to to have electric cars as their company cars because mm -hmm. they, they get a lot of tax benefits if i just look at how much the um, carpool from the company where i work has changed from one offering to another right now 90 percent of it is electric before that, mm -hmm. maybe 15%. And this is just one change of carpools that they're offering to their employees. Yeah, I think here here the, the thing is as well, is it's such a convenience-based economy. Um, like you've obviously come to visit and you know like the level of convenience that we're, we're quite used to here. So if you were to tell someone, oh, you know, instead of stopping off at a petrol station for two minutes, you have to plug into a charger for 30, 45 minutes. It's just such a hard sell. So... You've told us a lot about your path so far. Really a treasure of knowledge about the uh, car industry and what's coming up, what the current state is. And what I really want to know is what's next for you? Oh, that's a that's a big question. Um, so I, I see myself like obviously I, I, what's I'm now in like the industry that that I love. I'm, I'm in and around cars. Um, and I think that whatever moves I make in the future will still be in and around cars. I think that it, it's just, yeah, what's called, I think it's just a bit exciting to kind of be in like the industry you like. So obviously like um, in, in sort of the marketing industry, it's nice when you get to work with, with clients that you like random piece of advice for anyone that's, that's going into marketing. Um, it's a lot easier if you, if you actually like the product or brand, I think that might actually be across all roles, not just marketing. Who knows? 
I don't know. We'll have to work a bit more and find out. <laughs> what kind of roles do you see for yourself in the future? Um, I see myself working within an automotive brand. Uh, I think there's a lot that I can learn now from being sort of in the middle of a lot of different brands that I can sort of combine with my sort of background in marketing and go into a marketing role where I'm like, okay, I understand the car market and I understand, you know, cars and, and marketing. And I'm going to take all of that knowledge and sort of apply it to a singular brand. Uh, I think that would be really cool. Um, I, do I you already want to, want to share and manifest which brand this is? Um, I, I would love to, I would, I think I'd love to work at Audi. Uh, obviously my, my dream car is an Audi R8. So that would be, that'd be a really cool place to be. Um, I'd also, um, I don't think, I actually don't think I'd want to work at one of the big supercar brands like a Ferrari or a Lamborghini. because I feel like those cars kind of sell themselves. I think I want like, you know, a slight challenge. Uh, I think Mercedes would be really cool. I know, I know the marketing manager at Mercedes here, um, and, uh, and the brand manager at Mercedes here, she's super cool. Uh, and I, I Gee. look at her job, I'm like. Yeah, that's a and, cool. Uh, that's one thing I wanted to ask you as well. It's a heavily male-dominated world. Is this mm -hmm. true, or is this a misconception? And is there a lot of space for women to work in the automotive industry? Uh, I think there's a lot of space for. Well, that's actually a really good question because obviously you think cars and you think guys, right? Like it's it's sort of like uh, you know what do guys like cars, etc. Um, but here, if I can tell you that the marketing managers or brand managers at each of these following brands is a woman. And that is, I'm just off the top of my head from the clients I know. Yeah, Audi, uh, Mercedes, Lamborghini, MG, oh, Volkswagen as well. Volkswagen's uh, head of uh, marketing is also a woman. It's actually mostly female dominated here, if, I, if I'm to be honest. Um, like it, it just seems like it's mostly, mostly women. Just a heads up, yeah. I'm definitely going to ask you what car to buy when the time comes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please do. I, I'll try to keep it brief, but I might end up speaking a lot about it. Uh, but no, what's going cool, it, it, it's, it's been super cool. For sure, we'll have you back on once you want to be on. You're always welcome. <laughs> I wish you continued success and I'm going to see you at Christmas. Yeah, see you soon. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. See you next week on Open Mic Life.